Good morning. I want to welcome you. My name's David. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for uh, joining with us today. Uh, one additional uh, uh, announcement I'd make is tonight our youth group uh, will be kicking off, and that's here at campus, I think at 5 o'clock this evening. Uh, Kendra um, Thomas, uh, Spencer's wife, Kendra, she is our new youth director, and then uh, Laura Drain is our middle school uh, director. And so uh, they have both been working. Uh, This is the kickoff for the summer. And so if you're going into sixth grade through 12th, uh, come and join tonight for that. They're going to have some fun. Uh, This morning is Pentecost. And uh, uh, Pentecost is that celebration of the giving of the Holy Spirit. After Christ uh, was uh, raised from the dead he and uh, ascended into heaven, he had told uh, the followers, hey, wait uh, here, and uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a gift. And as they gathered, the Holy Spirit descended upon them and changed everything. The Holy Spirit poured out freely to anyone who believes. It's a, it's a difference from what the Old Testament, how the Holy Spirit was present. The Holy Spirit has been present eternally. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all co-eternal. They've always been, but the role has changed. We see the Spirit it, at the beginning of Genesis. The Spirit was hovering over the water. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was only given to certain people for a certain time for a certain task. And, and then uh, taken back. But in the New Testament, because of what Christ had done, because of his victory over sin and death, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all of us who call on the name of the Lord. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, then you have been adopted by God the Father, and the Holy Spirit lives within you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go to church to find God. God found you. He lives within you. He dwells within you. You have his power, his authority, his, his, um, his resurrection power, his presence, his promise. All is there for you. And so uh, I, that's, that's what the red is about this morning. Um, I didn't follow suit. I, I didn't have a red shirt to wear uh, today. Uh, but uh, we're going to drink red juice. Uh, later with communion. Uh, This is a sacrament um, weekend, and so uh, we will be observing Holy Communion. If you're here with us for the first time, just want to let you know that uh, anyone and everyone is uh, invited to participate with us fully. doesn't matter your church background, your church membership, your age. If you have a desire to love Christ and uh, love your neighbor, uh, then you are welcome uh, to, to join with us. We'll be using these individual serve uh, uh, containers. They're available out in the Welcome Center. If you didn't get one, uh, we'll be doing that at the end of the service. So last week, uh, we started a new series. And because of the Uvalde shootings and stuff, I didn't, I didn't go into much time developing that. And so uh, as we continue that series, I just want to sort of share with you the, the thought behind it. 
as you look at this symbol, any of you that use Google Maps or Apple Maps or anything like that, whenever you drop a pin or there's a destination, right, you get a little bubble shape like that, and it, it tells you where you're going or where you're at. And that's, that was sort of our thinking for uh, this, this series, that in a summer and as school gets out and people uh, are planning vacations and stuff, you have some destinations you're traveling to. And, and as you plan a vacation, you pick that spot, you make plans, you have a, you have a map of how you're going to get there, plans along the way, places to check in, and hopefully you have reservations uh, for where you're going to stay. Uh, and, and we put detail and planning for our journey to our destination. Well, as Christians, we have a destination. The, the journey that we are on from where we were, from who we were as broken, sinful people apart from God, enemies with God, at enmity with God because of our unrighteousness, to being saved by the blood of Christ, we now have a new destination. We're traveling from who we were to who he's called us to be. And our destination for for most folks as Christians, if I was at, if I was to ask you, what's the final destination for our Christian life? Heaven, right? Yeah, and and and, and that's ultimately where we're we're going. And and honestly, uh, the motivation behind which most of us initially uh, developed that relationship at some point in our lives, uh, we heard somebody talk about the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Or if you grew up in a different tradition church and uh, had a little more edge to it, they scared the hell out of you to go to heaven, right? To, uh, and so in that, you were willing to turn away from this and head over there. Heaven is the destination, but uh, the the problem with just saying, uh, I believe in Christ, so I have a place in heaven is we're missing some of the nuance there. We are, we are headed to heaven, but heaven, uh, I, I want you to think of heaven in three dimensions. There's the present heaven. Right? The present heaven is where God is with, uh, with Christ at his side. God the Father with Christ at his side is. It's, uh, it's different from earth. There's a separate heaven and a separate earth, right? There's a dimension between. There, there's a veil in between heaven and earth. As Jesus ascended into heaven, it, it said he disappeared behind a cloud. I don't think he just sort of poofed out. I think he just sort of melded into that other dimension of where heaven is. It's where our loved ones go at, 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 when when they pass from this earth. But that is not the final destination. That's the present heaven. And there's still a separation between God and the world. In Revelation, though, we read that when Christ returns and establishes his kingdom, that the holy city, the new Jerusalem, will descend out of the sky and make its place here. There will be a new heaven 
and a new earth in which there is no veil or, or, or separation between God and the world, where we will see each other uh, face to face. God will see us. We will see him. There, is, there will be a bodily resurrection at that time. The, the pre- present heaven is a spiritual realm, but the, the, the final heaven, the new heaven and the new earth is a physical place. That's where we're heading. But even one more dimension that we don't think about enough. You don't have to wait till you die to enjoy the benefits of heaven. Because as followers of Christ, we, we, there is a, the, 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 the characteristics of heaven, the characteristics of a godly life, the characteristics of, of that holiness, of that pureness can make a difference in our world and the world around us. Now it's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Heaven can be brought to earth here and now. Heaven is our destination. The place where God is, the God-like place, that is our destination. We're traveling from who we were, and, and who we were was we were broken people, marred with sin, rebelling against God, trying to do things our own way, things that pleased us. We chased after the carnal uh, pleasures of this world. But that's been put to death as we surrendered our life and gave our life to God. It's no longer that person who lives. It's now a new creation that lives who is on the way to a life of eternity with God the Father. That's our destination. And as we travel on that road, how are we, how are we planning for the trip? As you're putting together your summer vacations, I mean, some of us, we've been doing that for months and months, right? And and I hope you've been saving up for gas money if you're driving for that. Don't go to California this year, but, right? And, 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 and you have a destination. When, when we have a family trip, I'm a mountain guy, right? Uh, if, if, if I'm going on vacation, I'm going to the mountains, God's real country. And when we're gonna we're gonna be in the mountains with beautiful scenery and stuff. Some of you 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 like beaches and and coastline and sweat and sand and <laughs> there's no amount of pina colada that can get that sand out of those places that you don't want. But wherever it is that you're going, are we putting as much planning and work and effort into our final destination as we are our summer destination. That's, that's where we are today. And we're going we're gonna to be in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. This is Paul writing to the early church. Uh, this particular letter to the Ephesians, he's already, uh, or this is the last chapter of this, uh, this letter. In the first part, he's already developed the argument that it's by grace you've been saved. Uh, that you didn't deserve God, but he loved you anyway. And through the sacrifice of Christ, you now uh, can live at peace with him. 
And so he's developed this whole idea of salvation and how we belong to God. And as he's ending this letter, it, it moves from explaining about Christianity and stuff into, so if, if this is who we are and this is what Christ has done for us and this is what he's called us to, then, then how do we live that out? How do we practically live that out? We're reading from uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through verse 20. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be a thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, a worship, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as a people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in order to to travel toward that destination in order to move from who we were to who he wants us to be, from where we were to where he wants us to be. How do we do that, Paul? And he sums it up in the first verse. If you want, if you want to move from darkness into light, if you want to move from humanity and depravity into uh, holiness and the presence of God, imitate God. Love like God. Live like God. Forgive like God, receive like God, share like God, accept like God. And if you have a hard time with the concept of God, well, what would God do if he was here on earth now? Well, that's what Jesus was an example of for us. God is, uh, Jesus is God with skin on. And as we look at his life, he gives us the number one example of what a godly life looks like. How, how do we travel this, this life according to God's plan? We do it the way Jesus did. This is why it's important for us to know 
Jesus. This is why the, the scriptures are important to us. This is why the, the gospel stories are important to us. <coughs> and as we look at that life, as, as, we, as we, we want to imitate him, right? If you, if you want to take on new characteristics, you, it's good for imitation. Sports people do this all the time. You, they'll break their their uh, their physics down by video or whatever. Golfers will do this. They'll watch somebody and see their swing and try to emulate it and stuff. Because if you can see what you're heading for, it makes it easier to achieve. And that's why as we move forward in our destination, we put our eyes on Christ. That's our example. It's different from from anything else in the world. It. it Move beyond the idea of being a good Christian. That's not a very high bar. Move towards being like Christ. Don't be a fake imitation. Be, go, go for the real thing. Set your mind on the way Christ lived. And as we read through the Gospels, I mean, how did Jesus interact with folks? I, I have yet to see the passage where he put a sign, I hate Rome, and marched through the city. Or called out a group of of of, 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 of uh, Jewish people that didn't think in the same line that he did. I don't see him going into city and 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 pointing his finger towards the the things that he didn't. No, instead he went. He who was pure and light went into the darkness to bring darkness out and and shine light in. He forgave people. He honored people. He gave worth to people. He gave hope to people. He gave companionship and fellowship to people. If you want to be on this journey, this is what it looks like. And as simple as that sounds and as easy as it is to say, how hard is it to live out? Right? Well, be more like God, okay, until somebody gets ma- I get mad at somebody and then that goes out the window. And the fact is, that's the deal with all of us. That's why Paul has to continue in verse 3. He, well, he says, live, verse 2, live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. The Jewish audience would have understand what Paul was talking about because they had been, to, they had brought sacrifices to the temple before. They knew what that meant. That as you brought a sacrifice, it was laid on the altar, it was set on fire. The smoke would rise up, and the symbolism of that was this sacrifice that we're giving to God. That the aroma of that wafts up to God and 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 gives Him pleasure in our asking and seeking Him out. And what Paul is saying is that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice and that that aroma, the aroma of his love, the way he lived his life, the way he gave his life for us was a pleasing aroma for God. I've gone to church in a lot of different spaces, a lot of different places and stuff. And I, I, I think that when the Holy Spirit is present, when God's people are operating in the kind of life what Paul's talking about, there is there is an atmospheric condition there. You can smell the presence of God, right? Christ Christ's action was a pleasing 
aroma to God. It was something that's attractive. It's something that brings pleasure. I've been to churches where that pleasant aroma of God, you could feel it as soon as you walked in. You, you can just sense it. These are people that love God. There's an atmosphere here that love God. But I've also walked into places where there was a stint, but it was more like human body odor because it was more about the human wants and likes and dislikes and agenda. The way we act should be a please, it should please God and it should be attractive to those around us. As, as, we, as we try to do this thing called church, we need to do it in such a way that we don't bring offense to one another by our odor, the odor of our actions and the odor of our attitude. I mean, if you're going to go on a trip this summer and uh, if you have teenagers, there's a smell that comes from the back seat after a long trip. They don't even have to be teenagers. Our three-year-old kicked off her shoes the other day, and uh, there was an odor. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know that happened at that young of an age. Right? And sometimes traveling together, we've, we've got to have grace with each other because, because that's, that's the sacrifice we make. But our, our job is to create an atmosphere of our life that is pleasing to God that gives off a pleasant aroma and not the stink of our selfishness in our old life. That's not who we were anymore. And just in case you didn't get that, then Paul wants to clarify. Remember, you don't want to go back to where you were. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. This isn't an exhaustive list. It's just a, a hint at, hey, this, isn't what pe- this is not what the children of God do. This is not what people of light do. This is not what those who have given their life to Christ do. That's the old life. And you don't want to go back there. You don't want to go back to that home. This summer is my uh, 40th high school reunion. I'm old now, man. I have never been to a high school reunion, and I'm not going this summer either. Because <laughs> when I graduated high school and moved away, I was never going back to that place. I know some of you grown up in the same place, and I don't know how you do it. I had to join the FBI relocation to, and start my life over to get, right? But I don't want to go back and, and visit that old place and all this stuff of that. That's, that's what Paul said. That's not you anymore. That's, that, that's who you used to be. And, and people like that aren't on the right path. They're not on the journey. They're, they're headed in a different destination. They're not, they're not headed in that destination. Verse 6, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse the sins for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Don't dwell in the darkness. 
Don't return to where you were delivered from. Don't get sucked back in to the things that were destroying your life. And and here's the fact, folks. I need you to hear this. I don't care how many years you've been going to church. I don't know. I, I don't care how many times you've, you've um, attended worship services and Sunday school and Bible studies you did. You are, still, you are still susceptible to the human condition. We all are. It's the brokenness within us. That's why the beginning of the Ephesians letter begins with Paul talking about we didn't deserve it, but God did it for us anyway. For God, who is so rich in mercy and kindness, did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. But don't get a big head thinking that because you're a child of the light, now you're better than everyone else. No, the only difference of me as a child of the light and someone who's living in the darkness, a lot of times is because they weren't given the benefit like I received that I was raised in a home where they talked about God. And they, and they took me to church and I had friends and family who sacrificed for me and people who took jobs and positions who were willing to put up with me when I was uh, not easy to put up with and do sacrificial loving things to help me to understand who the light is. It's not about my character or anything I've done good or bad. It's simply a benefit that I have. So I have no, I, I, there's no reason I should be looking down on people who don't have that relationship. And unfortunately, that's too many times what the church becomes. It's, it's us sitting up on the hill taking pot shots at the poor suckers down there. If these people would get their lives straightened out, our world would be a better place. No, no, no. I don't know why you'd want to Google this, but go Google church scandal. I, I can't tell you. I, I know, we talk about shootings. I'm in different circles, so I read more about the fallings out of uh, Christian leaders and stuff. Just like that cycle of shootings, you're like, how many more times is this going to happen? It happens over and over and over. The church is just as a depraved place as anywhere else in the world. Especially when we're trying to do it in our own strength and power. Darkness will creep in on us at any moment. We are not. This is why. Get your destination in mind and make sure you're traveling down the right pathway. Because here's part of the depraved mind. We can convince ourselves we're doing good when we're actually doing evil. His part there where he says, don't let people convince you that evil's not good. It's not it's not just bad teaching in the church. It's, it's our, our making rationalization that, well, I'm exempt to that because of who I am or because of my situation. We've got to be careful. Don't become the darkness. I don't know if you've... I mean, I, I don't know how after the last couple of weeks we can't understand just how horrible, what a horrible place the world is in. I mean, last week we we talked about a shooting and between then and now, how many more shootings has there been? And that's just one aspect of our society. The church falling apart. I mean, I I ask you all to be in prayer uh, this week. our annual conference, those of you who are, who are Methodists know what I'm talking about. If, you, if you're new to Methodist Church, we, we are 
church government runs by conferences and our regional conference, the Rio Texas Conference, will be meeting this week down in McAllen. And uh, we haven't had a together in-person meeting for two years. And the Methodism has been in this conflict for, uh, for a long time. And over the last two years, it's just, there's been kerosene poured on it over and over again. And so we're coming back for the first time, which should be a time to come together to say, hey, how can we shine the light of God into the world? Um, But I'm afraid it's just going to turn into a, and I'm already have sick tonight, I'm sick to my stomach about being in attendance at it because we're wasting our time. And what should be the glory of God could easily just become name-calling and finger-pointing. The hope is it doesn't have to be like that. The Holy Spirit that we're talking about today has all power and authority. And somehow, I have a belief that even when there's two disagreeing things happening in the church, when we come together about our destination, we can still do good things together. So I ask you to pray for our conference, to pray for our leaders. Pray that we don't lose sight of what, pray that we don't become agents of the darkness. That the aroma that comes out of that, that, that conference will be pleasing to, to the Lord and not disgusting to Him. Carefully, verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I'm a part of a renewal uh, group that came out of the seminary I went to, and uh, we gather each year in Nashville. And at the beginning of every conference, they they start with this verse: "Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light." This group, our, our number one purpose in this group is praying for an awakening, praying that that God would do something in the midst of this generation to show His power, show His sign, uh, show, show a sign of who He is so that we can move. I mean, the brokenness that's a part of us, the only hope we have is that God does something. I watch the news this week and I see these speeches, these impassioned speeches, and I don't, I'm not getting political on you, but when we say we just got to do something, do something to do something, well, something that turns into nothing is still nothing. What we got to do is turn to God. And I know that's preacher talk. Get over it. I'm a preacher. And it's not just preacher talk. It should be our talk. I think this verse needs to be written on the walls of all of our churches. Wake up, sleeper. We can't play the church game anymore. You're tired of watching kids die. You're tired of watching a corrupt government. You're tired of watching war and violence and and everything else that goes with it. You're tired of watching people throw their lives away with drugs. You're tired of that. Well, wake up, sleeper. Look at Christ. Let His light shine in you and then 
shine your light into the world. Our only hope is God. And for years, the church has been satisfied by thinking that coming on Sunday and complaining about the hymns is good enough. And, and our church is better than that church because we have a better pianist than they do. And, and nonsense. Our job, our destination is to make the love of Christ known to the world, to be a pleasing aroma to God because of how we love and live. That will make the difference in the world. Because when light comes into the darkness, Darkness has no choice. The darkness is where our bad things happen. The darkness is where we get sucked back into. The darkness is where even church people can find themselves when it becomes about our likes and dislikes rather than the mission of Christ. You don't want to live in the darkness. When I was growing up and I wanted to push my curfew time, my mom always said, nothing good happens after midnight. Don't live in the darkness. You're a child of the light. Why did Jesus make such a revolutionary mark on the world? Because Jesus, the light of the world, he didn't go into the darkness to become darkness. He went into the darkness and made it light. And we are the children of God, filled with his Holy Spirit, filled with his power, given his authority and command to go in the darkness, shine the light, and make a difference in the world. And I know it's idealistic and everything else, but I'm going to live there because Christ is our only hope. Awake, O sleeper. Awake. Open your eyes. The world is not what it's supposed to be. And we have, we have, we have the answer. Christ will shine his light on us. Last passage. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts. At, at that Pentecost happening, as the Spirit descended upon them and the message was going out in languages that the apostles who were speaking didn't even know, but the power of the Holy Spirit was allowing everyone present to hear the message and, and the flames that were dancing about the head and the, and the atmosphere that changed in the room. Some of the witnesses said, have these guys been drinking? Are they drunk? Now, I preach in a Methodist church, so I have never had to stand up and say, calm down. I'm looking forward to the time where I get to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Y'all drunk on the Holy Spirit. No, that, I've never seen that happen. But that's, that's the kind of atmospheric change that can change our society and change our world. It's, it's, it's that change that happens within us that the world doesn't understand and frankly we don't even understand we don't even know what to call it so we call it what are you drunk 
Don't be drunk on wine. Be drunk on the Holy Spirit. Sing songs together. Give encouragement to one another. Love, live, forgive, invite. That's how we get to our destination. Along the, mar- along the road, there's often places that you stop to refuel and make sure you have what you need so you can get to the place you're going. And that's exactly what the, the sacraments are for us. They, they are ordinary elements that remind us of an extraordinary God. We begin with bread. And that night that Jesus was with his friends, that night before he was going to give himself as a sacrifice, as a pleasing aroma to the Lord, as he was gathered with his friends who were going to be abandoning him that night in his time of need, he still loved them and still wanted to help them to understand what he was doing. In the midst of the dinner table, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, passed around the table and said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, I want you to remember me. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he passed it around the table and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink of it, remember me. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, rain down on us. Bathe us in your light. Repel the darkness that still lurks in the corners of our minds, of our habits, and of our egos. God, we will never be able to say thank you you enough for making us your children, for adopting us as your own. And we give thanks to your son, Jesus Christ, who was willing to, to sacrifice himself for our benefit. We want to be more like As we take this bread and this juice, would you make that be for us, your body and blood, so that we can be a living and holy sacrifice for the world around us. Allow your light to shine in us in such a way that it changes the atmosphere in the world around us. We want to be one with each other, one in Christ, and one in ministry to all the world. And we look forward to that time when there's a new heaven and a new earth and we 
are seated in your presence and will be able to give you the glory for all that you have done. We pray all of that in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for thine is kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You have one of the packets if you unseat the bottom seal, the wafer, body of Christ broken for you. And then the juice on top, the blood of Christ shed for you.